You are listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Thursday, August 29th. This is the official preview of Notre Dame versus Louisville. We're going to talk depth chart. We're going to work off the correct one here today. And uh, we have some Kevin Austin stuff, our season predictions. Our prop bets are probably going to come out when, Tim? Maybe right before the Sometime, game. Sometimes, yeah. Right before <laughs> we, we the game. Often do, we, we often do. We often figure them out while we're yeah, sitting well, up there. Yeah, but there are people that want to get involved yeah. with that, too. So we'll do our best to, How about to get early that out before there. the game, like okay. three hours. All right, that, that's on you, man. That's on you. I got a long drive. <laughs> Good. Uh, Notre Dame, Louisville. It's finally here or about to be here on Monday night. I think in our instant analysis, I said Saturday. Yes, uh, which a lot right. of people actually, the Southland Tribune had you know in their little box at the top, it had you know a, a brief preview mm-hmm. of the game. Well, you know how those are; you reuse them over and over again. And if you don't change Saturday to Monday, so I had a guy say to me, "Hey, when did they change the game to Saturday?" I'm like, "What? I need to know about this." Uh, but no, it definitely is Monday, and it's Notre Dame at Louisville, Notre Dame's first ever appearance in Cardinal Stadium. Um. You know, I think it's. I think we're all interested to see Jawan pass and what he, what um, Scott Satterfield and the Louisville offense will try to do against Notre Dame. Like you, Tim, I watched some Appalachian State uh, film from from last year, and it's you know there's a lot of deception, there's a lot of movement, there's a ton of RPO, uh, but we don't know if Jawan Pass can do all those things within right. that offense. They, there's a question later on about being worried about the dual threat of Jawan Pass, and it, it seriously might just be a threat of the run. Not aptly named Jawan Pass because he is not a confident passer. Uh, if he was a confident passer, he would have won this job more easily. It, no, true. He was going to win it all the time. But it was probably one of those fake ones. But new coach, obviously, you're going to give other guys a look. I, I'm interested to see what Satterfield does because he's always just reading about him. He's always ahead of the curve. He's going to throw something new at Notre Dame because that's their only shot. So I'm, I'm more interested to see what he pulls out. Oh boy, watching your instant analysis, and I think Priester made a reference to running a three-three-five against Tyrone Swoops. <laughs> yeah. Gave me some serious like. I think I said I think I said four-two-five, yeah. but I meant I meant three-three-five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Jawan Pat. I, I agree. He may just be a single threat, not a dual threat. But uh, I mean, this is I'm. You know, if I didn't know about his recruiting backstory, I think I'd be a lot less intrigued yeah. by yeah. him. But I mean, this is a four-star. Huge recruit, sort of a, a once-in-a-generation Louisville commitment, even though he was following a Heisman Trophy winner, which sounds stupid to say. But, you know, Clemson wanted him. Alabama wanted him. Notre Dame recruited him. His primary recruiters were Scott Booker and Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. <laughs> um, it was that long That's ago. So weird. And he, he just he hasn't really panned out for reasons that I think probably are related to him, but also related to how dysfunctional Louisville has been. Certainly that. Um, but it's, it's worth... Noting that he is bigger than all of Notre Dame's linebackers, <laughs> so that's that's something. Yeah, and and he does. I mean, obviously the the receivers were a lot better when Lamar Jackson was throwing the football to them. But uh, Des pa- uh, Des Fitzpatrick, Seth Dawkins, Shatarius Atwell, they've got some receivers, um, some with some with a little bit of size. So I mean, if he can execute what Satterfield wants him to execute, well, then it could be a little bit problematic. I like the receivers enough. Where I would say, if you put them on Georgia, Notre Dame would be in more trouble at Georgia. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I mean Georgia's least, these lost guys, so much. That yeah, these, these guys that have, these guys are experienced. They played with Lamar Jackson. They played yeah. with with Pass a little bit last year. And, and in, in fairness to Pass, I mean, he was working behind a very a, a very bad offensive line last year. Too, Total no dysfunction. Depth. Yes. Too. He, yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's really funny to hear how many times. 
when you talk to people out of Louisville saying that last year's team quit. I mean, just quit. They clearly did. No one, no one continues to give up sixty points a game. Did you uh, in our insider two hundred seventy-seven yards rushing per game? In our insider's analysis, I asked, but I added a question: What's your favorite Brian Van Gorder bad defense story? <laughs> I saw there's a lot of them, but he said the Georgia Tech game where they scored on every possession until the end. Georgia Tech until they took a knee, oh, firing the coach until they, yeah. until they took a knee. I remember watching that. It was like a Thursday night game. And it's like, oh my god! Oh yeah, that was a Thursday night game. You're right. It's like, it's like how many are they? How many are they going to score? I yeah. think they the I, least prepared for an option anyone's ever been. There's like, oh my gosh, they're running the option. You're kidding me. <laughs> It's unbelievable. We've seen some bad preparation for options, too. I'm qualified to answer that. Yeah. No, uh, I I agree. The receivers, I think, are talented. Um, I don't know enough about Marshawn Ford to really comment on, like, how good he is or is not. I did ask uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic about Makai Brown since Brian Kelly talked him up quite a bit on Wednesday. And I was like, how, like, are we talking about, like, Ronnie Stanley, Zach Martin good? Like, and he's like, no. He's if with a good year, he could be a top hundred player. So we're talking about a, a third round pick, right? With right. a good year, he's really raw. Yeah, after he faces Julian Aquara, he'll be a fifth round pick. Yeah, that's it's not a good <laughs> it's not a good matchup for any of them. But I, I think particularly for Mackay Brown, Mackay Beckton, yeah. or Mackay Beckton, yeah. he's supposed to be the best player. They, you know, they they've got six of their top eight defensive linemen back. They've got some ability there. They've got a bunch back in the secondary that was bad. I think. I mean, 24 touchdown passes and uh, allowed and six interceptions. You know, the, whole, the the joke that, you know, the good news is everybody's back. The bad news is everybody's back. But the fact of the matter is, if, you've, if you're an athlete, if you're a good enough athlete to go to Louisville and play in the ACC, well, the experience that, that yeah, he, he, no, and he's, I mean, he's so he might have, he, he exaggerated a little sure, bit, I think. but they, they were bringing in players. And then everything just went wrong right. with the coaching staff. It's right. not like they, they came off a couple good years. Right. So I mean they've got they've got some players on the defensive side of the ball with some experience. They'll be getting more experience. They'd probably be better off playing Notre Dame in the middle of the year than the first game of the year. But um, they don't have that luxury. And and uh, you know no, we'll, we'll see how Notre Dame will Notre Dame be hitting on all cylinders offensively. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. Um, although if Ian Book picks up. Where he left, where we last saw him in practice, yeah, he's going to be ready. I feel like they was might be better for the question and answer. I feel like Notre Dame is going to be hitting on L cylinders on offense. I don't think. Now, I wouldn't say that if they were playing Michigan, because they, they would need Cole Komet and Michael Young to be differentiators in that game. But I feel like it's a offensive system with Book in place and the line being much more experienced than they were going to last year's first couple games. That I, I don't think they're going to miss a beat against a bad defense. I, I think yeah. they real. I think it's a plug and play against a bad defense. I don't think it's plug and play against a great defense. But they're, course, but they're but. not. They're not. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, Notre Dame could win by 45, but they're they're not going to be as bad of a defense as they were last year. They can't no, possibly. No, of be. course not. But I, I mean, yeah, they, they're not still impossible. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it's a gone. B. They do have yeah. some experience on that side of the ball. I just think that they can. It's kind of like missing one guy against the defense like Louisville because the two running backs is going to take the place of Komet. I mean, Komet obviously is a better threat than having Tony Jones out there. But I feel like it's just missing Michael Young and you're putting in a couple of receivers. Because this, as again, because it's Louisville or not a top-tier defense. If this was Virginia, I think they would really miss Cole Komet. Does that make sense? No, it, do, it does. Uh, apparently, I, I didn't ask the question very well of Brian Kelly yesterday about the running backs, you know, kind of, 
I, I use the word mitigating mm-hmm. the loss of three of your top receivers. And he said, well, you know, what are we going to do, throw our hands up in the air? No, I'm not suggesting that you would do that. I'm just, I was, I, and I didn't, obviously I didn't phrase it properly, but the fact that you have running backs that can play that role, it's an advantage yeah. having lost Komet and Young and not having Kevin Austin. They will not be hitting on all cylinders, but they will be hitting on enough cylinders, and one of those cylinders will be in book, which is why I think that they're going to run away from Louisville. That's how many. How, um, I think my prediction of total points is ultimately going, ultimately going to be lower than you guys. How many do you think? I, I guess we can end this segment with a prediction, but um, oh, we were going to do more season predictions. I want. I normally in the first game would pull back a little bit, but I just I think learning a new defense is tough for all these guys too. Um, I'm they in the, did, they I'm did in the, go to a three four. Yeah, I'm in the forty two to seventeen. Okay, range. I'm, I'm forty thirteen. Yeah, um, I think Louisville will score three times. I don't know which variety. That's I think good. one That's of them will be a touchdown. Yeah, um, but I think Notre Dame's Notre Dame will hit forty points in this game. I believe so too. I I always want to pull back in the opener, but I feel like they're going to go in and really attack. That's just the way to put. Put Louisville away in this maybe, one. Maybe one of the ways they score is in special teams because they had three punt returns for touchdowns last year, a kickoff return for a touchdown. Their punt returner, Rod J. Burns, is back. He had a touchdown. He averaged 15.2 yards per return. So they're pretty good at that. I've mentioned that before. And, and that Satterfield's Appala- a special teams. Satterfield's very good guy. at that. He was. His special teams were very good at Appalachian State. So, I mean, I, 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 mean, I have them scoring three times, too. Uh, maybe one of them is on special teams. Um you know, I, here's another thing to consider. The, um, I want to say Bob Satterfield. Bob Satterfield was a walk-on yeah. on the national championship team uh, for Notre Dame in 88. But um, they played in 2017. Appalachian State played um, Tennessee. They were 20-point underdog. They lost by seven at Tennessee. Last year, Georgia. they, were, they had Georgia um, in 17. They lost by 21. But I think they played pretty well. You know, they were beating Penn State late last year. Penn State scored with overtime, 42 right? seconds to yeah. go to send it in overtime. Then they won in overtime. So this is, I mean, this is a good football coach. I think we're going to, that's going to be said more in 2021 when or 2022 whenever he can get Louisville really rolling again. I don't expect that to happen right away. It's, I don't expect it to happen in his first game, per se. I think it's a similar scenario to when Brian Kelly came here. Notre Dame's kind of broken down. Was Notre, was Notre Dame more talented than Cincinnati? Yes. But if Brian Kelly coached both teams, Cincinnati would have clocked Notre Dame in oh. 2010. Yes. I think App State's similar with Louisville. Does Louisville have more raw material in App State? Yes. But if Satterfield coached both teams on Monday night, App State would destroy Louisville. Um, Louisville just is like, yeah. this, is, this is a mentality rebuild, and that, that takes years, not one-off season. 277 yards rushing per game. That's what they allowed. I mean, how in the world? <laughs> per game. It's crazy. How in the world is that possible? Well, you're you about to get it illustrated in six, six, five weeks from now. Six weeks from now. So. <laughs> <laughs> when Bowling Green comes yes. down, six yards per carry. How did allowed. he, how in the world? Is he coordinating a defense? How did he not get fired for a second time <laughs> mid-season? <laughs> Just may, probably be, because they don't have an athletic director as as strong-willed as Notre Dame does, perhaps. Hashtag four-part series. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's talk about the depth chart here real quickly. Uh, we, we got a depth chart yesterday. It was amended after the press conference when Brian Kelly spoke about his backup 
inside linebackers, and neither one of them were on the depth chart. I asked a question because of the material presented in front of me. <laughs> well, that's why in the, instant, <laughs> in the instant analysis, I'm like, this doesn't make, this sense. Doesn't make sense. It didn't. It, it didn't. Out, yeah. Because we knew darn well that Bo Bauer wasn't a backup buck linebacker. And, and Mike. He was just better than and, everybody right. was backing up. And we up knew everyone. that Jack Lamb wasn't a Mike linebacker. Um, but, you know, pretty much the, no surprises really in the starting lineup. It, it, it appears now that, well, Jafar Armstrong or Tony Jones Jr. We thought Tony Jones Jr. was getting the bulk of the number one reps. But again, we the practices that we see, we don't know what the format and plan is per day for that, per se, for that day. When we were walking out of the last scrimmage, we get that one-hour viewing, and you get to leave as they started right. scrimmaging, it was Jafar Armstrong. That was the first time I thought, ah, that's yeah. the guy that took it. Yeah. Any... Um, did anything surprise you at the, the the actual depth chart? No pleasant surprise to see Houston Griffith back really in the mix. That's a good way um, of putting it. Because he just missed so much camp that we watched. I, I don't have memories of Houston Griffith in camp right now. I must not have watched it's defense really those true. days. It's really true. And after the first week, we don't didn't have memories yeah. of Conte Vaughn. Completely yeah. anonymous camp for Houston Griffith. I mean, I, I think when I asked about yeah, him, you asked about it. Yeah. that was the first time his name had been uttered, which is... Crazy, considering right. last year he was he was sort of the Kyle Hamilton well, buzzy, buzzy freshman right. that he, we all wanted to talk about, he, and he was playing. He ran number one all spring. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's not like that time was wasted because they needed him to adapt to mm-hmm. that position. And Vaughn was hurt. Yeah. And Crawford was hurt. Um, and I was glad to see Crawford at the top. Of yeah. Him Crawford, I the yeah. I mean, I think everybody, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he, you know, they shouldn't even bring him back. That's just ridiculous commentary. I, I mean, right it's there. just it, it's, it's not how it's not how right. It's Crawford. not how coaches think. And and again, it goes to if a guy's ready to play, he plays, and he's ready to play. Now he could, you know, something could happen at any time. Yes. But you can say that about anybody. So, uh, I mean, I don't think all their eggs are in one basket with, with Sean Crawford. They realize it's no. going to happen again. But he's the best option right now, and I think that's good for Notre Dame. Season predictions. We'll do that here. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we should do that now. Um, I went through and sent you mine. I, I hate. I don't hate. We won't do game by game on the podcast. I don't hate anything. I don't hate anyone or anything. Uh, (laughs) That's not true. Well, I try. I try real (laughs) hard for that to be the case. (laughs) Um, least three punters. I, I, you know, I like. I tried to pick three losses. I try. I tried to pick three losses because you think two, and then you think the old adage for us is if you think yeah, two, because you drop I think it. yeah, because every close Nordin won every close game last year. The, 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 those things even out, especially when you don't have Tillery, Tranquil, Coney, Love, you know that kind of stuff. But um, well, should I re, should we be revealing this since I think we, we should it's just not going to run? It's going to run. I think we should just give our um, season prediction. I don't know game by game. The game by game thing is fun. Yeah, that's just for no. Fun. I mean, it's yeah. you're, when are you going to run that? Is that tomorrow? I think so. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Okay, um, I have them at ten and two. I had them at nine and three until I saw Ian Book last week, and then I bumped it up to ten and two. I did the same thing, and I'm worried because I never bump it up in camp. But the one time I did bump it up in camp was seventeen, and I bumped it up to nine and three, and it worked out because mm-hmm. I just I I like. There's a question here about what'll make you think four and eight. Their coaching staff is too good to do that now, and they have too many players. We'll, we'll address that yeah. in a second. But, second, I, but I, I reacted am, the same way. I have them ten and two as well. Um, logically speaking, the loss would be at Georgia, which I got into in the in the preview. And I just feel like, as much as I think they can go undefeated at home, and I, I did put it in a prediction in Monday musings because they have two home games they cannot lose. One they really should not lose if they're any good in Navy, 
And then, so you beat the two Virginias, BC and USC. I, the Virginia Tech game after Michigan is the one that concerns me, mm-hmm. I think, the most out of every remaining game. I know Michigan's a harder game to win. I do think Notre Dame is really going to be ready for that game. I do, too. I just do not think yeah. that the Virginia Tech team that you saw last year, I think that Virginia Tech team is gone. I do, too. And that's yeah. why I Did think you that's a really hard... The Sports Illustrated story yeah, on that? Say, no. I mean, they there were players saying they were encouraged to quit. Like, at the end of the season, don't catch a touchdown. We don't want to go to a bowl game. We want this to be over with. By, by players. Who? By other players? Yes. Wow. Like they, they had were, a top player were, quit after were, the Old Dominion loss. There were young players who were told by older players, "We just want this to be over with." Stop. Wow. But essentially, well, that's stop that's a that's a bad reflection and on those Justin Fuente. Are out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's the way it should be. That's not a great reflection on Fuente, I guess. But bad apples are bad apples, and you're going to have that. Basically, I think Georgia would be the logical loss I would pick, and I don't see that changing in game week because um, Notre Dame just doesn't play good enough teams for me to change my mind for that right now. And then something in that. November yeah. range when you get down to that edge. Uh, what do you want to say about Kevin Austin's situation? I don't think he will play. Uh, positive, he won't play till game five. I don't think. I don't think he'll. I think he is. We have nothing other than we were told he's suspended for the year. Right. Our story is our story. I, I was waiting for somebody to say you. You haven't. When when it when some another site suggested that it was reduced to four games, I didn't respond because there was nothing for me to respond to. Um. And I and there's still nothing to respond to. The story stands. I hope he plays we, game five. Yeah, no I mean, I hope I yeah, hope that proves to be wrong. If it proves to be wrong, I think somebody somebody changed their mind at Notre Dame. I agree with you, but I don't I don't think that that's going to happen. That doesn't happen. Yeah, when you like, say somebody changed their mind at Notre Dame, I'm like that doesn't yeah. sound right. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't and sound I, right. You know, and I the. I, I, I I thought it was a good phrase, and I was going to use it. If if it's back to four games, and somebody's writing in the margins of Duloc, you know they're 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 amending Duloc, and and that doesn't happen either. So um, until we hear otherwise, it's the full season. We won't hear otherwise probably until game well, five. Game so, five, yeah, yeah, that would be the most five. interesting thing about the Bowling Green game. It's game five. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> great. It's great fun. Great fun, Van Gorder. Mick Asaph scoring two touchdowns might be interesting yeah, in the Bowling Green game. That'd be good stuff. So, all right, what else? Anything else in segment one? We're done. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, Burning Up the Boards, brought to you by Rent Like a Champion, South Bend's largest vacation rental company with 1,000 weekend home rentals close to Notre Dame Stadium, available for Fighting Irish Game Days. Irish Illustrated readers and listeners can get $100 off their booking with the promo code IRISH2019. First question question from Statman72. The point spread and over-under total anticipate a final score of the Notre Dame Louisville game at about 38-17. Which is more important for you to see, Notre Dame scoring more than 38 or allowing less than 17? I think more than 38. 
I agree with you. Because I think the defense is going to have some upward mobility as the season progresses. The I mean, the offense will too, but it's going to be because guys are returning from injury, yeah. not because Ian Book is improving as the year goes on. Um, so I I think scoring 40 to me is important. I agree. And there's there's going to be a drive offensively for Louisville where Notre Dame just has seen none of what they're doing, right? It's a how could they have? It's a whole new situation with a new coach coaching new players. He's got an arsenal of he's got his offensive mind is always evolving. Satterfield, mm-hmm. they're going to get a drive where they look great, and Notre Dame's going to have some run fit issues on that drive. It's just it's natural. So I don't think seventeen's a killer. I, now I will say if it's twenty four seventeen in the fourth quarter or something like that, <laughs> then I have a problem with that seventeen. But yeah. I just think they'll get some points. I have a hard time not choosing the defensive side. I, you know, I mean, I. I I mean I I agreeing to disagree with you I guess in that yeah the offense will get better when they get a couple of key guys back uh, but I always want the defense first especially when you're dealing with the youth that you are in the middle of you know the middle of their defensive line and the and the the, the inside linebacker core so I would choose defense just because I think um, Satterfield as you say can can present a lot of problems and if the young guys can make good decisions under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to see that. Hey, Beasley, what score stat versus Louisville would make you feel better about playing at Georgia? What score stat versus Louisville would make you say, uh-oh, is 4-8 possible? They would lose. I mean, if yeah, they would have to... lost, that I think it would, it would almost have to go to that level of like, ooh, it's dysfunctional. Um, I, there are no markers of that right now, None. and no. there were some in 2016. Well, yeah, <laughs> with the quarterbacks. Yeah. It was a huge issue. But... And yeah, I think people forget like the 2015 team actually had a lot of really good players who left. Um, they they lost some good players last year, but not at the level they did. But they have six or seven Pro players drafted Fuller, within the first three Stanley, or four rounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick Martin. Nick Martin. Um, guys, it, was it mattered. Not it was not a good Sheldon Day. I mean that that was Jalen yeah, Smith. That, yeah, him too. <laughs> he, was, he was all right. Um, yeah, this team. I don't want to say they can't go four and eight. Right. If Ian Book's healthy, they can't go four and eight. I think if they lose and Dracovic is twelve of thirty-one with two picks, I'd be a little concerned about the season, right? I'm not like the the first part of this yeah. question is, is more interesting because. I don't know if there is anything that could happen on Monday night that's going to make me make me feel better about the Georgia game. How about if a combination of things with Dorer going four for four, with a cornerback not named Troy Pride picking off two real passes that aren't gifts, and with Owusu Koromoa has like a turnover and three stuffs that look like what you saw in Culver when Pete you kind of looked over and like whoa. Like, yeah, it's you know if you get the Kyle Hamilton, Uwusu Koromo, guy, guys who have not played, who then look like they've stepped two, they've skipped two steps right, to be right. like frontline stud players, that maybe would would change my opinion. But like if Drew White and Asmar Bilal are stout against the run, that's not going to do anything that, for that me. That won't change my for opinion Georgia because yeah. this is not that Georgia's offensive line and Louisville's offensive line don't play the same sport. Yeah, I, gu- I guess I look at more like you know what could happen in this game that would make you feel worse about their chances against Georgia. One of them would be not running the football successfully, uh, but I think they will. I was thinking, I reuse those players because that's young guys gaining confidence that they would need for Georgia. That's why I use Tariq Bracey, Usu Kormoa, Jonathan Dorr. Julian Aquara, his matchup, as you said, it is not the same sport that he has against Georgia. No. He is going to have a very good game against Louisville. It's the guys that are your, the mild question marks that I think have huge upsides. Yeah. That's why I used to But it's like even the Jonathan Dorr situation. Like, if he's 4-for-4 four four on field goals at Georgia, they lost. 
You know, it, that that doesn't like. No, I mean his confidence of being yeah, four for four and be two good. for two. You know, and, you know, saying that they, that wouldn't be yeah. enough points no. against Georgia. Yeah, no, I'm saying Jay this Bramlin game has a good game. You know, maybe like all right, go, that that helps. But I just think Sanford Stadium at night. Oh sure. First, I mean that's just going to be a total hornet's nest. I can't wait. I love that. Man. <laughs> oh I just, yeah, it's... I love going into places like that. There's no. I mean, there's. It's just hard to duplicate. It's it's, it's, like, it's very difficult to duplicate what you felt as an athlete, but when you go into places like that, it's pretty damn close. Pretty damn close. At Mason Plummer six, Juwan Paps was a highly ranked quarterback out of high school with offers from Alabama, Clemson, etc. Any chance Notre Dame struggles with his dual threat abilities? We did talk about Puma Paps in segment one. I guess if he starts out hot. A lot of quarterbacks can get confident and be hot, right? He could get, I mean, if he hits his first few throws and one goes for a touchdown, that changes his mindset the whole game. Yeah, I just think that, you know, the the, the film we were talking about watching App- Appalachian State, their quarterback is going to execute the RPOs better than Juwan Pass. Is I going agree. To. And um, I think this probably will ask the wrong question. I really think there's going to be so much running by Louisville in this game that I don't think Pass is the differentiator. Well, the, I who mean, did Notre Dame struggle with last year the most? Kyle Shermer would be a guy you could say, right? JT Daniels. I mean, other than I mean, Trevor Lawrence, which is a different yeah, world. They, but Oh, who, as far as quarterbacks, because yeah. I, I thought, you know, against Pittsburgh, they they just were giving up just too many quarter, chunks. Just the quarterback. Right, you know, right, it's, right. It's a, it's, it's, I'd be more concerned if he was a drop-back, dialed-in passer. I'd yeah. be more concerned yeah. if it was Kyle Shermer. I agree. Yeah, Shermer yeah. I thought was good last yeah. year. I don't. I think passes, I, I'm not sure what. Could be more like Tyrone Swoops. But I like Notre Dame. But they, without, <laughs> without the 3-3-5. Three, three, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, at way to go. Okay, man, Louisville has just one defensive lineman projected as a starter above 255 pounds and as a starting outside linebacker under 200 pounds. What is a good rushing total for Monday night? Isn't 200 always a good rushing goal? It, it is, because Book will pass, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I you know, yeah, 200 is always a good number. This is probably a defense that will surrender 250, but... Chip Long's going to want to. He's going to want to push the ball down the field. He's he's. It's going to be typical Chip Long. I think you want to run the football when you can, but he's building towards tomorrow. He's not just yeah. You know he's not just thinking about beating Louisville. So he wants to. He wants to push the envelope. They want to throw the ball down the field. So they should be running out the clock though. If you want to add some yards to that, if that's, yeah, that's, that's true. A good indicator, right? That's true. And you know they're in a position now where. Um, You've got whenever Phil Dracovic plays, you got to let him play. He's he's got to get some playing experience and throwing experience. So, uh, regardless of the score, you'd like to see him throw yep. the football a bit more. I, I think it's always, I think it's always a little. I don't know if dangerous is the right word, but putting a number on a rushing total, every game has its own feel and different flow. So putting an exact number on it, but two hundred should be a minimum for Notre Dame. We'll go back to Pete's point. They should be able to run the ball. You'd be very concerned if they don't run the ball, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah, that would be a major concern. I feel like this game. Yeah, that would be that would be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I, this game has the potential for some like Wake Forest last year vibe to it. I know they gave up twenty seven, but I felt a lot of that was sort of like oh yeah backups in in the third quarter. But in terms of the discomfort that they felt defensively right. early on, I mean, you know, maybe Juwan passes most similar to that Newman guy that that Wake Forest put yeah, in, who yeah. was a huge looking athlete yeah. and was effective running the ball, just. And I bring up Wake Forest. They had forty. Notre Dame had forty carries for two hundred forty-one yards. I think that would be that would be fine. 
I, I agree. We're going to pick up pace a little bit here. Start. Judge Arthur Vandelay asks, last season multiple players stepped up to land a playoff berth. Some were extremely easy to predict. Miles Boykin, Tavon Coney, Julian O'Quara. Others not so predictable. Dexter Williams, Ian Book, Chase Claypool, the safeties. Who are the players that need to step up the most this season for Notre Dame to make a serious run at the college football playoff in 2019? I have a list. I do too. In order. Kramer, Eichenberg, Banks, Chase Claypool, to what we saw in camp, I mean. Dalen Hayes, to be another differentiator. A corner. Ian Book. <laughs> right? You got, you, you got a lot of people stepping up uh, here to get the playoffs. I mean, all that's those guys got to get better, and yeah. probably MTA. I mean, he's hard to go against last year because he didn't play. But for me, that's the first guy that I listed. All those long, offensive linemen are so important. For I think they need. Yeah, I, I Kramer and Eichenberg yeah. for me. I think I think Banks is going to be Banks. We know Patterson's got some growing pains to go through, but Eichenberg becoming, if not a big time left tackle, a bigger time left tackle. Do you agree on Claypool, both of you? Uh, that's sort of baked in for me, so I, I, I don't. Okay. I don't because you just I, think it's I coming. Just think he's going to have a great I season. I like anywhere. that expression, baked in. That's the way I feel too. He's he's ready to go now. Chase Claypool every week, every week it locked in mentally. Not sure about that. Most of the time, yes. well, he will be games one and three. I promise you that. Well, yeah, yeah no, I, really I, would, I would agree. It yeah. may not be against New. Problem is, he may not be in four. That's but what again, I want to I want to go back to in the spring. He was dialed in every time we were in there, and in the eight or nine, how many practices do we have here in August? He's dialed in. So, I mean, I think that bodes well. I would say any linebacker that can step forward, right, that you yeah. know, Asmar Bilal, because of his playing experience, is important. Sean Crawford, if he, I mean, he is the starter. They need him healthy and making plays like he once did. John Doerr. Wow, he would really have to, he yeah. definitely has to improve from last year, of all. Yeah, Eichenberg, Drew White, Sean Crawford. That's it. That's yours. Yeah. Those, those are the guys. At Sully 4ND, which running back will rise to the top and have the best season? Still Jafar Armstrong Still, for me. Me too. Not yeah, just, me too. I, just, I think we just sort of maybe got a little carried away with our Jafar Armstrong spring practice love. Yeah, but you mean it, thousand it, yards. And, oh, that's twelve hundred yeah, all-purpose yards. But he is still the one to rise to the top. Well, twelve hundred all-purpose yards. It got better because Young and Kometter out. That you yeah, got to get a little yeah. closer to that one. Yeah, I, I mean, smell a prop bet. The all there you go. The all-purpose <laughs> yard stuff is will be really really interesting because he's going to have a, he's going to have a bunch of receiving yards. I don't think there's any doubt about it. At G Weave Five, which players would you want to get off the bus first? Mm, Heinish. Claypool, that's good. Those are those are Banks, two of my five, and then pretty much like pick your offensive lineman from there. I think Eichenberg would be my offensive lineman because he looks like he would want to punch you. Yeah, more so than the other fair. guys. Do. And I think that he would. I do too. Like to Aquara looks like a pro oh, yeah. football player. Well, are these guys are they dressed getting off or shirtless getting off? Because if it's shirtless, I'd go with Aquara. I doubt that they're going to be getting off shirtless. Not well, well, let's not, not let's say Paul well, is not on my list. So there. <laughs> let's say let's they're say they're too uh, disciplined to get off shirtless. Paul, Pete. let's say they're getting off in uh, polo shirts. Polo, polo shirts. That's not intimidating anybody. <laughs> Nobody would look good. <laughs> Fatigues. Yes. Aquara. Okay. I've got a, I've got Aquara, Eichenberg, Heinish, Claypool, Owusu Koromoa. Yeah, there you right? go. That's yeah. the. That's the that's those the, uh, are the those are the guy. first five that came to mind. Indy six fifteen. If <laughs> Notre Dame had played Louisville in twenty sixteen, how many total yards would Lamar Jackson have put up against Brian Van Gorder's defense? Now let me give you some numbers. In twenty sixteen, Louisville averaged forty two point five points per game. 
And in the four games that Brian uh, Van Gorder was the coordinator, they gave up 33.5. All of the yards. As to quote Pete from the past, all of the yards would be so what would be gained. Bad. I can't imagine if Denard Robinson gained 500 against a quality defense, <laughs> coached well, what Lamar Jackson would do. He'd be tapping people on the head when he's running by them with that quarterback. Do you have any idea how much money Brian Van Gorder's made in his life? Can you? Can you? Hey, he was good at Georgia. He was very good. At, he was 16 years ago. He was he a very was a, good defensive coordinator. 16 years yeah, ago. 17 years ago now. 17 years ago, he's a very good defensive player. I, 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 know, I mean, I know he was then, but... The answer is Denard Robinson against Notre Dame in 2010. That's what it would look like. Yeah, that's a good call. Dip 98, what are your thoughts on Jafar Armstrong and Kyron Williams listed as the starting kick returners? Is that a sign of how high they are on Tony Jones and Jameer Smith, given the risk they're taking with the other two running backs returning kicks? The last part is why is the answer to the question. They're not taking a risk because they're not going to return that many kickoffs. It's just, it's not a, it's not the thing that it was five years ago. You can't do, they got rid of sort of the wedge blocking. Now you can't do two guys. Like you can barely double team anybody anymore. They're just going to fair catch it and take it to the 25. Um, And I think a lot of people, that goes to the next question. Why would they do this? And I look, Brian Polian, and Brian Kelly probably watched every kickoff return, and they saw guys not breaking tackles and thought, and he was only going to get eight more yards anyway. If they return it, Javar Armstrong will break a tackle and get more yards. It's also not the most dangerous thing in the world to return a kick. I mean, Javar Armstrong can get hurt in a scrum a lot easier than he can. I also think that they have a lot of confidence in Jafar Armstrong protecting the football, and I know Kyron Williams is a freshman, but they really, really believe in Kyron Williams and his maturity and I'm sure that he's protected the football very well throughout camp. And it might have been that it would have been Michael Young. He's hurt. He was the well, character, right? True. I mean, he could have been the return man. But, it wouldn't have been this big philosophical change. But they are also high on Tony Jones Jr. and Jameer Smith. Yeah. But I agree with what Pete's saying, that it's just not... Okay, here's the the one hit that concerns you is that side hit. You know, when somebody's coming around the Concussion, edge. stuff like that. Well, I mean, or, or more a knee, you know, I mean, coming in, okay, hitting yeah. hitting low. Um, That's on every carry, though, right? It yeah. Well, yeah, but this is a little bit more open field. I think it can happen. But, yes, it is on every carry. It's that side hit. Um, that's a bit concerning, but they're not, they aren't going to return that many kickoffs. So I think it's more the real, the confidence that they have in Armstrong and Williams protecting the football. Even, yeah. I, even I, though Williams is a freshman, I think kickoff return is sort of the pump return of six or seven years ago, or just like, can you just field it? Yeah. Okay. We'll take that and move on. Uh, tight end, uh, as, as Tim referenced, at Brandon Frisbee 05, why is Braden Lindsay? Not a part of the kick return team. I assume he's hesitant in his returns because we have, we haven't seen him since the spring catch a kick, right? Right. I think there. Yeah, I think it's a risk reward situation there. The, he's never the reward game. is not as great to them or as frequent as the risk. He's you know he's slightly built. I don't know how he's protected the football, but maybe not great. He's not a big guy. Um, just just for a reference, like. You know how many kickoffs Notre Dame returned last year? Thirteen, one per game. So and it'll pro- it'll probably it be should. less. And it'll that, probably yeah. be less, especially without Young. Yeah, well, they had fake fair catching a couple when it was safe. Remember, people were booing because he cut fair caught of the nine. Yeah, it's a new rule. The twenty thing's not going to make that mistake. Yeah, <laughs> he might know more than you do. I was a little shocked when it happened. I'm like, <laughs> what do you know? Yeah. That's on me. That's on, That's on me, everybody. Yeah, I, you know the game's changed. Uh, the, the, as 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 it pertains to kick returns, it's changed, and so 
the questions, I understand the question about Lindsay, mm -hmm. but it was probably more pertinent a few years ago when Absolutely. It, was a, it was a more wide open game. About, that's 130 teams, I think <coughs> 75 teams did not return a kick for a touchdown last year because they just don't have as many opportunities. But New Mexico State returned three, if you think it's still the most important thing. Now look, you can get a guy back there. Alabama to kick return touchdown and win a national championship a few years ago, right? But the, as Pete said, the rules have changed. They're just, it's just, they, they are they are eliminating all the blocking that made it effective. And Notre Dame is cutting cutting bait on the play, basically. Right. Let me uh, slide another question here, guys. Uh, at Jay Dolezal, you guys have talked a lot about Troy Pride Jr. getting handled easily by Chase Claypool. Are there wide receiver combos on the schedule that could expose other corners or is this a case of Claypool Book being that good? Uh, more the former, but some of the latter. You know, I think Book and Claypool are that good. But I think Jake Fromm to anybody will be a challenge for Troy Pride and whoever, you know, it's Sean Crawford or Tariq Bracey. Uh, JT Daniels, Tyler Bonds, Amon Ross St. Brown, and uh, Michael Pittman will be tough. That was tough last year. And then probably Shea Patterson to Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Nico Collins. You know, it'd be, be tough. It shouldn't, I don't think it's going to look like it looked in practice. And I, I think it's worth remembering, like, a lot of the beats are, like, one-on-ones. Like, yeah, yeah. that's geared for the offense to beat you. Um, but Troy Pride can be better. Yeah. It probably needs to be. Significant advantage to the offense and the drills that we're talking about. There's no doubt. But Troy Pride last year, at the end of the year, was really good. And I'm expecting yeah. to see that again. Yep. Yeah, I think his work ethic is is comparable to what we see with Chase Claypool. I love how they challenge each other. It's only going to make Troy Pride better. Hey, Pride even said it. He's like, sometimes you can have great coverage. He's frustrated. He was clearly frustrated because he kept getting asked the question. For only time he got to talk, everybody asked him about Chase Claypool <laughs> for 12 minutes. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> he he said at some point, you can play great defense, and he catches the ball. Yeah. And no, Claypool, no these were not just Claypool running by Troy Pride. He was just... <laughs> superhuman in when camp. he when he twists and high points the football Unreal. it's all, it's it's virtually impossible to stop him uh going back to the first rate series from mid-june here's how i had the receivers rated usc one michigan two we know both of them have a have a competent uh, quarterback virginia tech three the only guy that they they lost was eric kuma they had trouble with hazelton with last Damon year hazelton. With yeah, no two doubt. Big corners. uh and their quarterback is is back and and getting better Four we had uh, we had Notre Dame on that list. After that we had Virginia, uh, and and they certainly have a competent quarterback. Although he's more of a dual threat than an actual. There, there's your dual threat that people are. There's about. your real dual threat is Bryce uh, yes, Bryce Perkins. One hundred percent. And then we had uh, I had Louisville seventh, so they're middle of the pack for Louisville. That's one of their better better positions, and so uh, you know it's a little bit of a concern Monday night. At training underscore Dave and short yardage, will Josh Lug come in with with Cole Komet being injured? Do you believe there are better leaders? Uh, that's a second. That's second. a different question. Let's answer that first one first. Uh, and I did. I, I could see it. I could. Yeah, see I it. could. Did I ask Brian Kelly about? I, I guess I never did, but it was something I wanted to ask. Do, is there an offensive line that you would take that you could make? I remember I'd said Cole Mabry. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit longer, but obviously he's not in the picture. Um, I could see Josh Lug being a now first look, Brock Wright became an early contributor as a freshman because of his blocking ability. He was probably about fifteen pounds heavier than he is now. 
Oh, but Kill's staying. Brock, He's staying Brock, on the field. Yeah, Brock, Brock Wright's yeah. still your best yeah. blocking tight end. So you're adding what you're doing. So is if you're, you're adding a second you're, tight end, you're taking off a receiver, which would happen. You probably in short yardage want the threat of Fink and Claypool out there with the inbook. Don't you think? Yes. So I think you're only taking you are taking off the other receiver, Keys or Wilkins or whoever it is. Tommy Tremble is a pretty good size tight end but for a redshirt freshman, move but more blocker. of a yeah, no doubt. Would so. you rather bring in Josh Lugger have two backs, Fink, Claypool, and your regular line with? I mean, that's that's yeah. what you're looking at, right? Be, I, I would like the option of Josh Lug, right. Brock. Though my skill position players would be Claypool, Fink, Armstrong, Lug, Wright. Okay. Lug being the second yeah, tight end. Second tight end. It's something that I considered asking Brian Kelly about. Though, would you would you take? Is there an offensive lineman that maybe is mobile enough to do that? That's why I said Mabry because he might be a little bit more mobile, but he's not the blocker that they Josh Lug is. They so. did try this against Pittsburgh with Aaron Banks yeah, last year. They had so a, oh, that's right. They brought that's him. Right. It didn't yeah. work, but they tried it. Yeah, they got one touchdown with that uh, extra lineman last year. I charted all their touchdowns. They had a four. They had a four tight end. One was Aaron Banks. They got a touchdown. Mm. But um, that's, I think, the only time they're yeah. going. Uh, okay, we're going to end with this question from Matt ND Irish CO. What does football and the football season mean to you guys? Uh, not a lot of sleep, I would, for I one. I with that. Um, I got to start there, unfortunately. I it's College football is weird to me because you spend 365 days covering something that only happens 13 times. Um, so that that element is kind of weird, that there's just a lot riding on the games. Um, Which I, is great. Yeah, I love the juice energy around live sporting events. Covering college football, you don't get a lot of them, but when they're good, they're really, really, really good. Um, so it's just, I don't know, it's just exciting. Like I love this part of the season. Go ahead, Tim. I love college football because I grew up going to college football games with my dad. So when I go on Notre Dame's campus for a home game in the fall, um, especially a day game, I think of that growing mm-hmm. up and going to games. Um, yeah, I, I love the fact that it's the games mean so much. I mean, I really like basketball, but the games simply don't mean as much to the to anyone because it's okay to lose those games. It is... It's great that these games matter that much. I don't like the overemphasis on the playoffs. If you're not in the playoffs, then why should we cover you? The ESPN's kind of ruined that with playoff predictors now. Like, who <laughs> cares now? You know, you, it's, <laughs> just enjoy the season. But I love everything about college football and football. I mean, I growing up, loved playing football. I kept trying to play seven-on-seven seven football until I was 33. Well, and you and I grew up in South Bend, so... Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it well, does matter fun, more. We both love basketball. It matters. I'm sorry. It, it matters does, no, more. it does. There's nothing like this, college this football. This is not a controversial position no, to take yeah. it's, there's, there's nothing like college yeah. football. Nothing duplicates the passion of a fan like college football. I guess you could say professional football. More people. I like pro football. More people, I used to really like more it. More people, uh, I think, dress up and put makeup on at NFL games. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't have a survey on that. Um but, like, for me personally, one of the first games I ever attended, O.J. Simpson was in Notre Dame Stadium. I mean, I have seen some of the greatest players in the history of Notre Dame and, and uh, opponents, and it's awesome. I, I, like be, I like being in the stadium. I don't necessarily like having to navigate through fans after a game to get to where we need to go. 
That's only on the road, especially though. when my yeah yeah well yeah, yeah that's, yeah, all, that's only on the road. But it can get it can get a little harrowing in those kind of situations. Yeah. So Michigan. I mean, I like being I lo- I love the feel of as we're sitting there and they're lining up, and we know the opening kickoff is coming. There's there's nothing like it. There's nothing like college football and fans don't react to any other sport. I think the way they do college football. And I love mid October November of college football too. Sometimes when you get in November and Notre Dame's nine and one or ten and zero, you're like, man, that opener seems like a long time ago, and this just means so much more now yeah. than that game against Temple. It's pretty but- astonishing <laughs> how bad the weather has gotten since. <laughs> you yes. know, October yeah. and certainly September, but Which that's is why I love getting off the plane in California on Thanksgiving yeah, weekend. No, I want to a... throw in, as much as I love home games and memories, there is something good when you're covering the sport. Road games are better. It is awesome to get off. It is awesome to get off the plane in Los Angeles. It is. The night games are a bear. Yeah. The, the night games uh, really have a we, real yeah. cumulative effect on us over the course of a season. But, but uh, everybody gets sick at the end of the year. It's almost automatic. I mean, it's just. But as bad as it is for us, it's not even close to what the football players put themselves through. So, no complaints. We're done complaining uh, for this podcast. We'll be back. Uh, we'll, I was going to say Saturday again. We'll be back Monday, pregame video, postgame video, Notre Dame at Cardinal Stadium uh, against Louisville. And then, of course, the of course the timing next week, will, our podcast we'll be will, be on, will be on Tuesday. It won't be on Tuesday. No, we'll be driving back. Uh, it'll, it'll be, be on, on Wednesday. Wednesday. I'm yeah. sorry, because Tuesday will be Sunday. All right, I'm done saying words. <laughs> I'm done saying words. We're out of here. Thanks for joining us on Irish Illustrated Insider. It's time to start planning your trip to Notre Dame. Rent Like a Champion is South Bend's largest vacation rental company with over 1,000 weekend home rentals available close to Notre Dame Stadium. Head to rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated to get $100 off your booking when you use the promo code IRISH2019. That's rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated promo code IRISH2019. Thank you.